The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We would like to welcome you and greet you to the sacred space that is Marsh Chapel this sunny summer morning. Welcome to all of you sitting here with us in our lovely congregation amidst our Gothic windows. And welcome to our congregational family listening over the radio waves at WBUR and our global listeners via the web and WBUR.org. We offer an especially warm welcome to Reverend Dr. Robin Olson, a longtime friend of Marsh Chapel and a cherished colleague. We join together this bright Sunday morning to give thanks to the Creator and to recognize the divine presence amongst us. Let us stand and praise God as the choir leads us in our introit and we join together in hymn song.
please join me in saying our collect prayer in unison. O Lord, make us have perpetual love and reverence for your holy name, for you never fail to help and govern those whom you have set upon the sure foundation of your loving kindness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. We enter into a time of reflection on both the things that we have done and left undone that might burden us throughout our days. As the choir leads us in singing a Kyrie, may we reflect on our lives as creatures of the world, creatures of this earth, and children constantly striving and struggling to live in the presence of God. Lord, have mercy. Hear the good news. There is more love in God than there is sin in us. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 9. Verses 6 and 7. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onwards and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please join me in reading responsively verses from Psalm 71 with the Antiphon. take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from my birth. It was you who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have been like a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all day long. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength is spent. For my enemies speak concerning me, and those who watch for my life consult together. They say, pursue and seize that person who, whom God has forsaken, for there is no one to deliver. O oh God, do not be far from me. O oh my God, make haste to help me. Now please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri, the reading of the Gospel, and the singing of, Sim of hymn 600. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew chapters 11 verses 16 through 19 and 25 through 30. Glory to you, O Lord. But to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, 
Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
be seated. How wonderful it is to be here at Marsh Chapel and how fun it is to be the lead-off batter in the summer preaching series. With Dean Hill's choice theme of the gospel and emerging adulthood. I'm going to take a swing at this first pitch and see if I can get us on base with my sermon title which I boldly borrow from Kathleen Fannin's book title, Wonder and Other Life Skills. Fannin, who is a college chaplain, writes about creating spiritual life retreats for young adults. Wonder. You know I want to say it's a wonderful word, but we ought not be redundant in our description and speaking of a word. It's one of those words that's both a noun and a verb. As a noun, wonder, a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration, caused by something beautiful and unexpected. Or as a verb, to be curious to know something. Or better yet, I like this description of wonder as the reality of all life, as Abraham Joshua Heschel writes for us. To pray is to take notice of the wonder, to regain a sense of the mystery that animates all beings. Prayer is our humble answer to the inconceivable surprise of living. Let's name wonder as a quality gifted to us by emerging adults. It's one of the reasons I love being in ministry with young adults. They have yet to leave behind the beauty of childlike wonder. They are curious and open to learn, and they haven't yet developed the protective exoskeleton of cynicism that some already emerged adults have grown. Let's name today that we can learn from young adults and that indeed our very walk of gospel discipleship has one persistent demand upon us, and that is that we are receptive, receptive to wonder, that we keep our hearts and minds open to the presence of the divine all around us and within us, in short, that we cultivate the life skill of wonder. Let's just take one quick moment to say, what exactly is emerging adulthood? Whatever happened to being an adolescent and then you were a grown-up? Sociologists advance that emerging adulthood is actually a new developmental stage, uh, one identified as part of a postmodern coming-of-age reality a stage post-adolescence and pre-adulthood, generally identified as the years between 18 and 29. And it is interwoven with characteristics of the millennial generation, our current population of emerging adults. John Jay Innes, a recent graduate of Boston University, the School of Theology, is a young 20-something who is off taking the world by storm in mission work. She's currently serving in Tacoma, Washington. She spoke last week at the New England Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church, and she said, and I quote her, 
In spite of staggering statistics about church decline and the claims that millennials are disengaged with the church, God has raised up a new generation of young people who are seeking and asking questions about how faith calls them to be about the work of justice, peace, reconciliation, and love. This is gospel. In the gospel that spoke to me for this day, Jesus teaches us how to engage and be the church out in the world. Jesus tells us to put on his yoke, to choose to walk with him, tethered to the holy perspective of freedom and wonder, to walk together linked shoulder to shoulder along a route that he promises we'll figure out together along the way. And you will see dedication of service and love of selfie and love of neighbor in such a wonderful way. The first time I saw an actual yoke was when I happened to be in my own emerging adulthood years. I was a brave 22-year-old, and I had just loaded up my backpack to live a year on my own in Israel, learning Hebrew on a kibbutz olpan, and my job there was to milk cows. I can really effectively milk a cow in Hebrew. I have no idea how to do it in English. And while I was there, I pulled the 5 a.m. shift in the milking parlor. I was this suburban New York City kid enamored of farm life. I still have the scar, faint as it is now after all these years, but this scar from the very first cow I tried to milk. It's right here on my finger. She didn't like my unskilled touch, so she stomped right down on my hand and pulled it across the grate. I learned to welcome the metal bar yoke of restraint that my kibbutznik partner taught me to apply. It settled my bovine friends and allowed us to work together in the land of flowing milk and honey. More commonly, a yoke is used to link two animals side by side, usually oxen, so they can focus on the path intended for them. With heads directed uh, forward and the yoke resting on their shoulders, it distributes some of the weight of the pull of the plow or the burden of the wagon. In biblical metaphor, a yoke is most often a symbol of servitude, of being harnessed to a life of toil. But if you know anything about our friend Jesus, you know that he is apt to invert a metaphor, to wake up our settled assumptions so we might be receptive to wonder. Jesus rebukes the established generation of religious folks who think they know it all and yet. And yet they cannot recognize John the baptizer as a messenger of the kingdom of God. To them, he is an ascetic nut job who wears weird clothes and eats weird food. They cannot recognize Jesus as the Son of God. To him, he's a rule breaker who likes to wine and dine with all the wrong kinds of people. Jesus says, you know what? These already emerged people don't really get it. They're not mature enough to get this. 
Perhaps it will be the ones who are not so impressed with organized religion who will truly see him. Hear Eugene Peterson's lovely interpretation of our gospel. Here, as Jesus says in Matthew 11, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. On this very first weekend of summer, doesn't that sound like a wonderful invitation to recover our lives, to learn the unforced rhythms of grace? Here in Boston, let's face it, the historic epics, epicenter of the Puritan work ethic, Jesus offers us a way forward in centered peace. And so today, I want to witness to the gospel-keeping company and living freely with some emerging adults I know and love. I met Bethany Printup Davis through my previous appointment as the Protestant chaplain at Nazareth College in Rochester, New York. Bethany grew up on a Tuscarora Indian nation near Buffalo, New York. And there she occasionally attended a church off reservation and was particularly fond of singing in the choir. She was an enthusiastic undergrad who came to our Sunday evening Protestant worship services. These services that in my first semester drew a not so enthusiastic crowd of four or five students. And two of us were paid to be there myself and the undergrad piano player. The college was founded as a Catholic all-women's school, but had been independent and co-educational for three decades. However, the legacy of Catholicism reverberated in a beautiful way, and every Sunday night I waited in the narthex of our chapel as pew after pew after pew of Catholic students poured out of the chapel from evening mass, galvanized by a specific religious tradition. And then my little flock came in up to the chancel for our service. I found that while my students were keen to explore their spirituality and they wanted to offer their lives to make a difference, they had minimal introduction to religious tradition. And guess what they called themselves? They said, we're the not Catholic kids. <laughs> and so I knew that I needed to introduce them to the wonders of Protestant churches. I began by bringing students to a national gathering organized by United Methodist College students. And two wonderful things happened for Bethany Printup Davis at this particular gathering in Shreveport, Louisiana. The first thing that happened was the keynote speaker was Dr. Ibu Patel, a sociologist of religion, 
a devout American Muslim from Chicago by way of family of origin in India. Ibu Patel, the founder of the Interfaith Youth Corps, spoke eloquently to us about our Wesleyan heritage. He detailed the mission of John and Charles Wesley and enumerated the beauty of Methodism. He urged that the best way to be a fully engaged citizen and a full partner in interfaith cooperation is to know your own faith story. And second, the music leaders that year were all Native Americans, taking the stage and leading us in songs with cadence of drumbeat and with rhythm of ancient practice dance step. My young friend Bethany sat in the front pew as close as possible to the music, and she wept. Grace flowed down her cheeks. Later, she told me, Robin, I had no idea that my native identity and my Christian identity could be one and the same. I thought they had to be separate. Well, the next year, Bethany was up there on the stage, a leader in the music ministry. She went on to take a little confirmation class with me to be baptized and welcomed into the United Methodist Church through our campus ministry. And I saw her a few weeks ago now as she led a workshop for some 500 churches on Native American awareness. Professionally, she is a district educator for Native American cultural competencies and is discerning a call to ministry. She is as enthusiastic as ever, attributing her joy to walking with Christ in wonder of identity. My friend Micah Christian is a young man with a big and brave vision for being church out in the world. I've had the privilege of journaling, <laughs> journeying alongside Micah the past several years on a path that has taken him through spiritual life practices and seminary, to baptism and confirmation in the Catholic Church, to a year of service in Peru with his wife Jocelyn to now expressing beauty and faith through music. Perhaps you are one of the 11.5 million, I, I looked it up on the internet to get my facts straight, one of the 11.5 million people who watched him perform a couple weeks ago on America's Got Talent. Micah is part of a quartet called the Sons of Serendip. And all four members of the band are recent Boston University graduates, having earned degrees in law, theology, and music. At their audition, they received a standing ovation. The judges, one of whom, Howard Stern, is a proud BU alumnus, they were in rather stunned awe. Many of the cr in the crowd of thousands at Madison Square Garden and those of us huddled around our TV sets cried for the beauty of it. Their harp, cello, keyboard, and vocals transported us. I first learned about Micah's new band on the last Saturday of the semester when he approached me on Marsh Plaza. 
I was in the midst of leading a study retreat for students, and we had brought the beautiful labyrinth that Brother Larry and some students made some years ago. We brought the Marsh Chapel labyrinth out onto the plaza, and a whole variety of folks came to walk this labyrinth this ancient Christian practice, now embraced by just about every spiritual tradition I know. It's a tool for centering. Students from, from engineering, from law, from management, from fine arts, a family of four on their way to a Red Sox game, three fraternity brothers in a rush to get to some important event, two Girl Scout troops. The world walked past and stopped to pause and walk this labyrinth in peace. The engineers were the most suspicious. It's a maze, right? It's a trick to solve, right? No, I said there is no trick, and the meaning isn't found in standing aside an external analysis. You just have to get in there and start walking, trusting that you'll be led to your center. And so they did. As Micah and I chatted around the perimeter of this labyrinth, he told me about this crazy, unexpected ride on America's Got Talent. He had just come from a rehearsal with his quartet on campus and had just auditioned in New York City. And while he couldn't tell me anything about the results of the audition, he was sworn, and still is, sworn to secrecy um, by the producers of the show. Well, we know now that he's advanced to the next level of the competition. He told me about fans waiting for him outside the stage door, about autographs requested, about the pull and push of the glittery world of reality TV. And he shared with me his desire, his burning desire to stay centered in the soul of the music and the soul of the friendship in the band, to stay centered in integrity so that everything he said and sang and did might reflect his calling to live as a follower of Christ. And then he said, Robin, I need to go. I'm on my way to see my spiritual director on campus. And then he thanked me for sharing the labyrinth because so many of us struggle to stay centered. Researchers at UCLA have a longitudinal study on emerging adults and one of their conclusions is that there's a positive correlation between spirituality and well-being. And that while the highly spiritual students are no means exempt from significant stresses of collegiate life, they are also able to exhibit a high level of equanimity, the qualities of being able to find meaning in times of hardship and feeling at peace and centered. Micah, Kendall, Cordera, and Mason, the sons of Serendip, from the heart of your campus at BU, we wish you every joy and centered success. Young adults teach me just about every week the sentiment of Anne Frank, who wrote how wonderful it is that nobody need wait a single moment to start improving the world. 
They get inspired and they get going. Caitlin Schultz and Lindsay Seeley Fellows attended another one of these national campus ministry events and they came back to the Nazareth campus with hearts strangely warmed about the church's ability to impact uh, malaria prevention in Africa. They came back and they said, Robin, we are going to raise $1,000 to donate to Nothing But Net's campaign so we can send treated bed nets to Africa because they're so effective in saving lives. And we have this idea to partner with the basketball team, the men's basketball team, because, you know, they have nets. Apparently, my exoskeleton of doubt had developed because I just didn't match their enthusiasm. And I said something like, well, you know, we're a really small group, and we don't know anyone on the basketball team, and actually, we don't even know any athletes on campus, and I'm just not sure it's a realistic project. And then they called me to wake up, <laughs> and they basically said, Robin, if you're not going to help us, can you at least get out of our way? <laughs> and you bet I joined them. I supported them and watched as they put on the yoke of service to the world. And over the next two years, they raised $3,000 with hundreds of students and faculty and staff from all over campus participating. And our little group of not Catholic kids gave themselves a new name as they multiplied in numbers and spirit and confidence. Those kids who were the not Catholic kids said, now, we're the little church that could. And finally, a story I share right here from the heart of our sanctuary about accompaniment. Demarius Walker is soon to graduate from Boston University. He's a philosopher and deep thinker and kind soul who loves to dive deep into conversations that matter. He's the leader of our Howard Thurman discussion group right here at Marsh. And he participated in one of our recent study retreats as we ended the long productive day by gathering here in the sanctuary at 10 o'clock at night. We had turned off all the lights in this nave and in the sanctuary, and we walked up to the balcony, and we sat up in the balcony to reflect on one of the windows and the story of a window up in the balcony. And we just were gathered by candlelight. I remember that as we prayed and as we celebrated in fellowship, Demarius seemed especially transfixed, and he stayed up there for a while. He was absorbed by the tranquility of the stillness in this place, the silence, the flickering of the gentle light. Later that night, he told me a story. And he told me that once during the winter, very late at night, he wandered across campus and found himself here at Marsh Chapel. He was slightly surprised that the front door was open, but he was also glad, and he came in. And he said that something compelled him into the nave, and he walked through the doors, and he came towards the center, and all the lights were off, except for the solitary light 
that always illuminates the face of Christ up on the chancel. Demarius said he got halfway into the nave and he was stopped in his tracks. It was a moment of sheer awe for him. He just couldn't go any further. And then he sensed a companion. And he looked over and there stood David Soper, who is our Marsh custodian. And he is one of the folks uh, who is responsible for the beauty, extraordinary beauty, along this block of Commonwealth Avenue. Now, Demarius wasn't sure if he was supposed to be in the middle of the sanctuary, in the middle of the night, and he was a little nervous in front of this man with an official BU uniform. But before he had a chance to explain himself, David spoke up, shoulder to shoulder, as they looked forward, and he said, beautiful, isn't it? And then David turned and left. I followed up with David and I asked him for his recollection of that night and he simply said, oh sure, I came in early, probably 3 a.m. or so. If you know David, that's David. I wanted to get a head start on clearing all the snow on the plaza for the next day's classes. It was a nice and quiet moment to share together. Friends, we are called young and old and everyone in between to accompany one another in this wondrous journey. Let's step into the summer with Rachel Carson, the wonderful environmentalist from Maine, who said, if a young person is to keep alive his inborn sense of wonder, she needs the companionship of at least one adult who can share it rediscovering with him the joy, excitement, and mystery of the world we live in. Let's walk together into this wondrous summer in the unforced rhythm of grace. Thanks be to God. Amen. As we are called to prayer through our singing of Lead Me, Lord, we invite you to pray in the way that will most support the prayers of this congregation. Please come and kneel or stand at the altar rail, lift your hands in, in place, respond in your first language, however you are so moved by the Spirit. I will set the intention and then we'll say, in your grace, if you would please respond hear our prayer. Dearly beloved, let us pray together.
you who are one, you who are three, one God in holy community. We who are created in your image are glad and grateful for your presence with us as source of all life and Christ and spirit, for your encouragement by your gifts and fruits in our lives, for your empowerment to grow in love and to choose the good. In your grace of invitation and inclusion, we pray. For ourselves, as individuals, and for the families and communities of which we are a part. For our particular ministries in the world. For our ministry in and through Marsh Chapel and the Office of Religious Life for the work of all the church. In your grace, hear our prayer. With and for our cousins and neighbors in faith traditions not our own, and with and for all people of goodwill, for the works of blessing, courage, and peace in and through us all, for the life of the world. In your grace, hear our prayer. For the nations and peoples of the world, for the leaders amongst them, and for the ways of peace amongst us all. In your grace, hear our prayer. For creation, for our earth and air and water, for our companion animals, birds, insects, and plants. In your grace, hear our prayer. For those who disagree with us and those who wish us harm, and for all those who we ourselves have injured or offended. In your grace, hear our prayer. For those individuals and communities who face particular challenges of mind, body, spirit. In your grace, hear our prayer. For those who have died, for their family and friends, for your will fulfilled in them, and for our sharing with all your saints in the life to come. In your grace, Hear our prayer. For all ages and stages, for the wonder, the celebrations, milestones, and joys of our human life. In your grace, hear our prayer. In all these things, we pray in trust as you pray with us in your compassion too deep for words. Amen. And continuing in our prayer together, as our Lord Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
The peace of God be always with you. We'd like to take another moment to welcome you to Marsh Chapel, a sanctuary amongst a city and a place of peace in times of stress and chaos. Please know that wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are welcome to continue your walk here. We would love to get to know you better and help you get to know one another better. And a great way of doing that is by putting your name and contact information in the red books towards the center of each aisle. Please pass those along. Directly following the service will be refreshments downstairs, which is a great chance for fellowship and coffee and for all of us to join in authentic community together. Next Sunday, we will continue our Summer Preacher Series, The Gospel in Emerging Adulthood, with our guest speaker, Reverend Dr. Stephen Cady from Asbury First Methodist Church. All of the summer speakers are listed in the insert in your bulletin. For other upcoming March events, please visit our website at bu.edu chapel, where you can also find an opportunity for online giving. Now, as we beckon the ushers forward, let us be reminded that it is a gift to be a giver. Your generosity goes directly to support the important work of Marsh Chapel and uplifts so many in the world of need. As the choir lifts us up in song, may you find yourself being as generous as you are able.
Blessed are you, O God, maker of all things. Through your goodness, you have blessed us with these gifts, ourselves, our time, and our possessions. Use us and what we have gathered in feeding the world with your love, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen.
go forth into the beauty and wonder of this season and go with Christ, go to Christ and walk with Christ to recover your life. Discover those unforced rhythms of life and walk in peace. Amen.